All right, welcome back to the Noobcast. Today I've got a good friend uh, named John Good. John is the CEO and president of NAI Earl Furman, headquartered right here in Greenville. Um, they're one of the largest commercial real estate firms in the Southeast, and uh, they have and, at least 120 or so reps uh, that go out and uh, make it happen every day. So, John, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, John. Yeah, man. So why don't we start by, uh, I know you've been with, with Earl Furman for a long time. Just tell us a little bit about the company, the history of the company, and kind of where you, where you are today. Sure. Uh, happy to. Sure. Uh, so the company's really a combination of three or four uh, main companies okay. uh, that were all founded at different times. Okay. The, the original company, Earl Furman, was founded in 86 by okay. Earl Furman yes. here in town. Right. And then uh, uh, the NEI Columbia office was founded about 52 years ago. Wow. Uh, it was part of Eden's and Avant, which okay. ended up separating, and Eden's went one way, and the, the brokerage company went the other. And then uh, in North Carolina, it was... Uh, Piedmont Triad, NAI Piedmont Triad, which okay. is about 50 years old as well. Okay. Uh, so all those companies, we roll, Earl Furman rolled those companies up into one company over mm -hmm. a period of the last 15 years okay. to create this you know, very large commercial real estate brokerage and management yeah. company uh, yeah. across the Carolinas. Okay. And what's the advantage to having three companies like that rolled up versus just having Greenville? So the advantage for our uh, shareholders, we have mm -hmm. 35 shareholders, and the mm -hmm. advantage for the shareholders and the brokers and by way of the brokers and the property managers is really to the clients. Okay. So we have access to deals across all of the Carolinas. Uh, so prior to us joining, we would have uh, a broker in the Columbia market that might be an expert uh, in the industrial space. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they've never sold an apartment deal in their life. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was no one in Columbia that did apartments. Right. But the Greenville office has an apartment team. Mm -hmm. So that relationship that the person had in uh, the in the Columbia office is transformed when they bring in an expert right. for multifamily. And now they get to help their client that trust them and yeah. our experts that sell apartments get another deal that they get to sell. So really it's a win-win across okay. those offices. Okay. Uh, and we can track... <clears throat> 50 transactions a year across the offices where, you know, you as a salesperson may have the relationship but not the expertise for a specific deal Yeah, uh, that's one of the other offices has that. Interesting. And I know from, from working with or talking to and working with some of your salespeople over the years that you're really big on working in teams. People right. have partners, at least two, maybe three. Yeah, so we've had large teams and small teams and still yeah. have some individuals. Uh, Earl... Uh, probably in the late 80s, early 90s, started uh, bringing people in as teammates. Mm -hmm. uh, he was really the first person in the upstate, anyway, doing that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really been refined over those decades to now. It's interesting that we actually have uh, a number of our competitors that when they talk to somebody that say they want to get in the business, they actually send them to us uh, and say, these people know how to bring in young people and oh. put them on a team. Nice. Uh, but in any professional service firm, real estate, 
maybe is slow to adopt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Late adopters, yeah. not early adopters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so if you think about the other professional service firms, law firms, mm -hmm. accounting firms, engineering firms, yeah. they all did a much better job of bringing in associates mm -hmm. and building leverage off of the experience of your 25-year career, yeah. but too busy to do some of the grunt work. Right. Uh, and so we've really perfected that. Yeah. Uh, so we have some, some again, large teams, small teams, teams that have been together for 25 years, yeah. teams that may be together for two or three years and then split and join another team. Right. Uh, but it's been really productive. Uh, way to, to expand the business and, again, expand the capacity for the clients, which right. is the ultimate goal. Right. So instead of, like, if I worked for you just working by myself, I would team up with, let's say, another person or maybe two other people that had, like, one with apartments, one with uh, warehousing, and one with office space. We all had our expertise, and as we brought clients to the table, we could help them? No, mo most of those teams are more permanent teams, so it would be all multifamily. Uh, so, so you might be on the apartment team, and you may be due, and your role may just be underwriting the deal, putting together oh. the financials. So the teams uh, are all one specialty. They're, they're generally one specialty. Okay. Uh, and then uh, on an individual transaction, Two of those teams may come together okay. with an ex, uh, expertise. Okay. Uh, you know, so so generally speaking, the teams are all focused on the same thing. Okay. Over the last five or six years, if if you've been in any of our markets in the southeast, the residential markets with the population growth that we've seen in the southeast yeah. have been very busy. So we have some teams that. Uh, our newest teams are just doing land development, exactly. so zoning, yeah. uh, um, entitling properties okay. uh, to do neighborhoods and, and new apartments. Well, the team thing brings me to something that we just touched on earlier. Is I know when you and I, you know, both from Greenville, both went to local high schools and played sports, and you were the captain of the JL Man, JL Man soccer team in 93. Now you're telling everybody how old I am. Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you were they, slow. I don't know. They, they all think I'm older than I really am, so <laughs> they're going to figure out what happened to my hair. But. Well, well, anyway, yeah, you so. were the captain of the team. and, it, and well, First of all, was it a good team? We were pretty good. Uh, you know, Riverside and Eastside generally had our number back uh -huh. in those years. Yeah. We were not always in the same uh, conference, yeah. uh, so that was nice sometimes. But, but yeah, we, we were okay. Okay. Uh, well, I, I guess my, my point was that I see over and over again, not always, but very often, you know, good athletes, high school or college, particularly people that had some leadership on the team, they do well in sales and ultimately in business. And I think it's because, you know, we're, we're too old to play soccer or basketball anymore, but we can keep competing at something, trying to break last year's record or be number one on the board or, you know, whatever it is. You know, I think it, it, we are always looking for athletes, yeah. high school uh, and college mm -hmm. athletes. And it's interesting when you find – and you can tell very quickly when you find an athlete that – wants to excel more than his teammates, mm -hmm. but still wants the team to win, mm -hmm. versus an athlete who just wants to excel more than his teammates and right. doesn't care about the team. Right. Uh, and it's really the, the, the reason we've been successful right. is we have uh, hyper-competition within our organization, 
but we're all still working together all the time, and we don't have anybody that's out just for themselves. Right. Uh, so. Right, and you can't let any of those people in. No, well, they get in every now and then. You got to have the you got to have out. the courage to throw them out. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, when we have looked at mergers yeah. uh, with other companies, and when they haven't had the courage to make those decisions, we know that we're not going to be a cultural fit right. uh, to get together. Right. So. so you went from man to Furman. I did. Uh, I was the uh, last of a long line of Furman people. Uh, and my father told me that you don't have to go to Furman after, you know, two older brothers and four cousins yeah. and uh, two aunts and two uncles and two parents. Yeah. Uh, and I said, so I'll be the one that everybody thought couldn't get in. <laughs> <laughs> so you I, had to go. I had to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So great experience. Uh, you know, Furman was, a, uh, you know, an educational challenge mm. uh, coming out of a public uh, high school. That you know, you didn't really do a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, it didn't take me a lot in, in high school uh, to make okay grades. Right. Furman, you know, they they made you work, uh, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you, you earned everything you were going to get yeah. uh, at Furman. So. Yeah, I bet. I took, I tried to take a summer school class there one time, and it, it was it didn't go so well. So darn hard. Um, so, political science major. So I didn't even know what political science was when I got there. I, I went in it. as a business uh, management major uh, and thought the professors in that department were boring. Mm-hmm. And I had a professor that, uh, in political science, I took his class and I absolutely loved his class and loved debating mm-hmm. uh, and loved the energy mm-hmm. uh, and changed my major right after that class. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody at Fer- you know, Furman... Uh, their purpose is to send people to grad school. It's like <laughs> 80% of the kids going to grad school yeah. from Furman. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I I was not going to go be a lawyer, yeah. uh, but all my classmates, you know, ended up going to law school, but it was a, a wonderful experience and, and really enjoyed, you know, understanding, uh, you know, how decisions affect people, yeah. uh, which is, you know, again, I try to I try to stay away from it because I'll get engulfed in politics. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's easier for your sanity to avoid it yeah. uh, and just, you know, go vote and ignore the TV the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to change it watching television. No. Um, yeah, but it, it is interesting. We, we, we both majored in the same thing and, uh, you know, got just enough of, of that to have at least appreciation for what's going on. Um, I'm sure you had some good professors there. Uh, some f- phenomenal professors. Yeah. So uh, Don Acey was my first professor. Uh-huh. That the reason I changed my major. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was, you know, it's people can tell I'm from here when they hear me speak. Mm. You know, and, and Don's from North Andover, Massachusetts. So mm. you know, he just enjoyed hearing me talk uh, <laughs> or making fun of the way I talked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So and uh, he and Glenn Halvin Neubauer, uh, you know, some. Uh, yeah, so Brett Nelson. I mean, we had some phenomenal poli sci professors yeah. uh, at Furman during That's my time great. there. So, um, so was there a real estate track that you could have gone down at Furman? Uh, not at Furman. So, uh, my intent was always to be in the real estate business. 
uh, but I was going to go, I want to go do something different and get rich because yeah. you need a lot of money to be in the real estate <laughs> to business. Invest, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I just want to be an investor. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to sit on a beach and yeah. have someone send me a rent check and not do anything. Yeah. You know, be retired by, I was, by the time I was 30 yeah. was the plan. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, that led me to my first career, which was, you know, a little interesting pathway to get there. Uh-huh. Uh, but my, you know, my MBA. Uh, so I bought a, uh, a franchise of a restaurant oh. uh, in a small town okay. uh, because my father had developed grocery stores in small towns. Yeah. So the plan was I would put these in all of his grocery stores, mm. hire someone else to run them, yeah. uh, and then be sitting on the beach sure. by the time I was 30. Investing in real estate. Uh, investing in real estate. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the franchise? It's called Papa's Pizza to Go. Not okay. to be confused with Papa John's. It was yeah. actually older than Papa John's. But yeah. It was found in a little small town in Georgia and kind of run out of Atlanta. Uh, it has since sold. There maybe were thirty five of them left. Yeah. Uh, my old restaurant was is still there. Yeah. Uh, in North Georgia. I give you a lot of credit for trying, man. Well. It was it was successful was the so I, I met someone who had four uh, we borrowed all the money so mm-hmm. we borrowed two hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars when I was twenty two years old yeah. you know with his credit yeah me running it and uh, two years into it we were about to pay it off so mm-hmm. I was going to be twenty four years old uh, making a lot of money yeah uh, and I was like then I'll be stuck yeah and you know working eighty to hundred hours a week mm-hmm. was not really the way I wanted to spend the next fifty years of my life mm-hmm. so. So I sold out to my partner and mm-hmm. just went ahead and went straight into the real estate business, realizing that maybe it was going to be a little harder than just yeah. sitting on the beach yeah. collecting a check. Yeah. I love that, though. I didn't, I didn't know that about you. and it, I did, you know, of course, did some research, but I didn't see that. It doesn't pop up on LinkedIn. But, um, you know, we, we you know, the, I, I, I'm, I'm asked to recommend things to new business people, new salespeople, and you know, very often I give them, you know, my, my, my pat answer is what the guy did, Reed Hoffman, who started LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was out in California, and so he kind of knew the pattern of how people developed things and became rich out there. So he, you know, he got a couple of jobs in his 20s where he learned how to be a project manager, then learned sales, then learned marketing, then learned finance, and all of a sudden he's about 30. And he's like, okay, now I've got to come up with my idea because now I know how to do it. And, of course, it was the online resume, right. LinkedIn, and he crushed it. So to be prepared is smart. The other way to do it is just to jump in mm-hmm. like you did. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing. Yep. Mine didn't work as well as yours did, but it, I, got, I started to understand what it was like to put something out there and try to make it work and get hit in the face and all that kind of stuff. So interesting. Yeah, so I got to, you know, got to borrow the money. Got to hire and fire everybody. Got to yeah. do all the marketing, all the inventory and ordering, yeah. and you know, the training and yeah. the, you know, uh, you know, it was it was uh, it was a great experience and one that, you know, it was proof to me, you know, that understand that after two years I didn't want to work that hard again. Mm-hmm. But it was proof to me that in this country, you could really be successful if you're willing to work hard. Yeah, you know, because that job. Didn't take anything other than hard work, right. uh, you know. And, Common sense. And I made the mistakes on the people, mm-hmm. you know, with the staff. Yeah. But they turned over so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you had new staff, so you could be a new person. Right. You know, in another right. month, right. they're all going to be gone. You're going to have new people. That's so, right. That's right. Uh, so you you had that experience 
I mean, again, probably the only person slinging pizza right out of Furman, too. Oh, allowed. there's no doubt about that. <laughs> no, no doing that. <laughs> yeah, they're oh, all going to law school. There, you doing yeah. what? Yeah, uh, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did you know Earl Furman? So Earl uh, and I were fraternity brothers with 28 years in between us. Okay. And so he sat behind us at the Furman football games. Okay. And so I knew him from him sitting behind us because he had two kids that are a little bit older than me and two kids a little bit younger than me. Yeah. Uh, and the younger ones generally like spilled the drinks on us, you know, during the games. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so you um, knew him through Furman and through SAE. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good reason to uh, join a fraternity and to go to the football games. You That's know, right. That's right. be social. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, interesting. Well, he he, I know he he left the Furman company to start his own company, uh, and that would have been. Say, 86? 86. And then you joined when? In January 2000. 2000. And then 11 years later, after being outstanding broker, you took over. I was an okay broker. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was better been, than a lot, you must but been, I you wasn't must, the best. You must have been pretty good. I was, I was again, good at organizing uh, things, not just my own deals. So. And what, were your, uh, what was your area of specialty? So I was an industrial broker and did a little bit of investment, you know, with my dad's background. I did mm-hmm. a little bit of land development okay. uh, and, and a little bit of investment, but mainly industrial. So I was calling on warehouse and manufacturers, warehousers and manufacturers all day long, yeah. trying to fill up big buildings and get people to develop more big buildings. And then in 2011, you got the opportunity to run the show. And I guess Earl wanted to go back and maybe not run the show anymore, and he wanted to... So those that were around in 2009 in the real estate business kind of remember what happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, the end of eight, it fell apart. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little bit about what's happening now. Sure. Uh, different, but the same in that the banks just dried up. Uh, and it's back to, you know, we need regulation. But the federal government went to every bank all at the same time and said, your liquidity ratios aren't right. You need mm-hmm. to improve them by 10%. Mm-hmm. And so every bank made the same decision at once, and they took 10% of the liquidity out of the market, and then all the deals were upside down, and it just collapsed everything. Yeah. Uh, and so we didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. There weren't any deals to be done in mm-hmm. nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were sitting around and said, huh, the company's you know 25 years old. Maybe we should update our strategic plan. Mm-hmm. That's how it, it took us you know, to tend. Yeah. Uh, well, now we were just trying to stay afloat. Yeah, yeah. By 10, uh, we hired uh, a, a gentleman consultant to come in and help us do a new 25-year plan. Mm. Through that process, Earl admitted that he hated being in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he liked doing deals mm-hmm. and solving problems for clients, mm-hmm. you know, not making sure the copiers were working and, yeah. the, you know, the lease wasn't about to, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, you'd think it's like the cobbler shoes, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. lease is coming up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so out of that led a plan cause I, I'd, I'd had no interest in running. I was like, I'm not going to take my mentor's job. Number one, even mm-hmm. if he says he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were several of us in my generation that, mm-hmm. that were certainly capable of kind of taking the reins. Yeah. But once all of them said no, we refused to do it. <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. So. Well, you had it. Gosh, it's been twelve years now. 
11 years. 11 yeah, years. 11 years. So 12, maybe, yeah, coming up on 12. Yeah. Well, so. um, what, uh, what, what do you have planned for like for the next 10 years? What would you like to see the company become? So, you know, one, I told him there was certainly no way, you know, Earl ran it for about 25. I was like, you know, I, I certainly don't want to run any longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in our business, it is very difficult to find someone on the managerial side, mm-hmm. the operation side, uh, because frankly, doing the deals is much more fun, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's like trying to find a managing partner, a law firm, the yeah. person that's going to be in, good at taking care of all the lawyers is not necessarily going to be the best lawyer, right. uh, but you need them to be a great lawyer to understand all the lawyers. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's complicated, but, but for us, it's truly, uh, where's the growth going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, all of our, uh, Shared resources, say the Southeast, is going to continue to be uh, the winner mm-hmm. uh, in the economy for another decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we've been doing for the last decade is is when we put our people in a place to excel, their clients excel. Mm-hmm. And if our people are excelling and their clients are excelling, then we will always win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so every year we pick one or two new things we try to do uh, that add capacity for us to uh, add value to those clients and we'll yeah. keep winning. Yeah. And do you have a, a headcount target for your sales guys? But no real headcount target uh, other than, again, if there's a place that we don't have capacity to provide you good service mm-hmm. in our target market, which mm-hmm. is just the Carolinas, mm-hmm. uh, we, we don't necessarily see ourselves uh, expanding to an Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the NAI structure is a, a licensee structure, so there are other NAI offices around. Mm. Uh, and where they're good NAI offices, that's good for us because mm-hmm. they send business to us and we work just like we, we own them as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Where they're small offices and they don't have a lot of capacity, it's not good for us. Mm. So if there's a smaller market that's kind of within our area that we can take over mm-hmm. or they can join us and we mm-hmm. can add more capacity, uh, then we'll do it. Okay. But we're not going to go out and... Uh, yeah, we're not going to go out and borrow money and, and do all that. We're going to wait for that opportunity to come it. to us. I got uh, it. So there's not <laughs> enough money in it. Uh, I mean, our structure is truly uh, – the reason we've been winning is because our structure is leaving the value in the salespeople's hands. Mm-hmm. The company is really just sharing a tiny little piece mm-hmm. that then is owned by the 35 largest producers in the company. So. Right. It's, it's really just a, a mutual shared services platform. That's great. Um, so. And so just a, just not too long ago, two years, a year and a half, money was so plentiful and so cheap. Um, and, of course, that changed in an instant. And now it's very expensive and hard to get, which means your, your, your customer is having a harder time doing deals, right? And so what kind of things are you doing to allow the deal flow to continue? Yeah, so you know, when you know banks complained for a decade about how low rates were, <laughs> uh, and then they doubled the rates, and then they don't want to loan the money out, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're, it's a double whammy for them yeah. because they're losing their deposits, which back to their liquidity ratios, they, yeah. they can't loan anything when they lose deposits, so they have to pay more <laughs> on their deposits, but yeah. then they're still scared to loan the money. It's it's really been an interesting uh, time to watch it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so lots of things that, that can occur, uh, and we're seeing uh, a multitude of things. The first is we're seeing a tremendous amount of additional equity going into deals. Mm -hmm. So we are seeing deals that would have been 80% loan, 20% equity, <clears throat> that very quickly back October became a 60% debt and 40% equity. Mm -hmm. Those are even pushing to 50-50 now. Mm -hmm. A lot of that has to do with the debt coverage ratio, which is more not, not a financial uh, show, but the, the coverage ratio in there mm -hmm. with rates as high as they are, unless you put more equity into the deal. Mm -hmm. so, so we're seeing a lot more equity in the deals. But because the deal volume is slowed down, uh, there's a lot more equity out there. A lot of the uh, more local family office type investors is what we would talk about have a tremendous amount of additional equity uh, because the deal volume where they would normally invest that money has really dried up. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have shifted from selling to the institutional owners to the family office owners mm. uh, and using that equity to close more deals. Because they have cash. They have cash. And then the sellers that need to sell you know, to keep their opportunities open, you know, we're, we're now seeing a, a reasonable amount of owner financing. Of course, much more difficult unless people own things outright. But, right. But we're seeing a, a pretty significant increase in owner finance deals, uh, which is, is very interesting. And, and it's really, it's fun for us to see, and again, this just goes back to, you know, by, you know, a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, antagonistic view that I have mm -hmm. and that, you know, people push markets up and down to make money off of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's just the reality of what it is. Mm -hmm. And so when markets go up and down, there's a lot of money to be made. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not necessarily all, always by Main Street, mm -hmm. uh, but you have a time right now where uh, major institutional owners are dumping assets. They were exiting office space, you know, rapidly because mm -hmm. they're like, oh, people aren't going to come back to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the case. Mm -hmm. they're, they're not wrong in a lot of markets. Mm -hmm. uh, but in a lot of our markets, smaller markets that don't have a lot of office space, don't have a lot of national owners, the owners are, are local engineers yeah. and attorneys and, and insurance agents and things like that. Those folks see the value of being together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the call center space, different story. But mm -hmm. if, if you're trying to build something together uh, and you're trying to do it just through a computer screen, yeah. uh, we don't think it's very effective. Yeah. And so in a lot of our markets, we're seeing office buildings uh, being walked away from, from institutional people. And so local investors that have the money can come in, pick those things up, yeah. retenant those. And, and eventually the institutional people because again, they've got to spend their money somewhere. So in three years, they'll be right back. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, we made a mistake. And yeah. they'll buy stuff back. Yeah. Uh, and there's money to be made. So so there is certainly great opportunity huh. happening in, in a market that's tough. Wonderful. That's, that's good news. Oh, you guys will figure it all out too, all the angles. I love that. There's no, you know, there's, there's nothing that a creative mind can't solve. Right. Uh, and that's the best thing about our business is... Yeah. There are a million ways to do every single transaction, and, yeah. and a lot of them will get you to the same result. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. There's not just one way either, nah. right? Yeah. Cool. Um, give us some advice. We've seen a lot of uh, salespeople, you know, young salespeople, people coming out of school. What are some of the attributes of the ones who do real well in your business? 
I think that last cup, my last comment is kind of our goal when we find somebody uh-huh. is to maintain in our brain, which is really hard for leaders to do, mm-hmm. that you're not going to sell the way I could sell something. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've got to use my strengths and you've got to use your strengths. Yeah. Uh, if I try to do something the way you're going to do it or vice versa, you know, we're, we're bound to fail. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult to teach that innate personality yeah. uh, and transcribe that. So, so our goal is to try to find people and help them figure out what they're best at. It mm. may be that they're a uh, real low-pressure, uh, facts-based yeah. salesperson yeah. versus an emotional salesperson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so you can be successful a multitude of ways. So, so we're looking for someone who's willing to learn mm-hmm. their best way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the things we're looking for, it's, it's when you take away the fear, mm-hmm. uh, then it's really easy for a salesperson to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can't take away their fear, if they're yeah. just afraid, yeah. they're never going. I mean, they're yeah. never going to get there. Yeah. Uh, you've got to have the confidence uh, that what you're doing is not really trying to sell something. Right. Earl, Earl would say you're never going to sell anybody anything. You never convince anybody to do something right. that they don't want to do. Right. You're just trying to make sure you're explaining to them where the market is yeah. and giving them all the options so they get to make a decision on their own. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really was was his hallmark of uh, how he got to be to the success, level of success that yeah. he's had. That's a good way to put it. And And, you know, People that are new to sales or looking at sales from the outside, they still think that we're selling people stuff. Right. And we're clever or we're pushy or whatever. And that's, it's really, it's trying to, if we can just talk to enough people that will tell us what their problems are, what their opportunities look like, and we'll just see if we can help them. Right. That's it. And it's easy enough to say when, if they're honest, yeah. you can say, there's not a solution for what you want. Yeah. And, you know, we have lots of times that we tell people that, yeah. that, you know, for what you want, the, the price that you're willing to pay, there's yeah. not a solution for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I had one yesterday mm-hmm. uh, that said, hey, would you still do this deal? It's like, it's the weekend, man. Why are you bothering me? <laughs> uh, I mean, that was six months ago. Yeah. But they didn't believe yeah. when we talked to them six months ago that there was only one solution for them yeah. uh, in this market, and it was to build a new building, and yeah. they're expensive, and this is what it's going to cost. Yeah. Uh, and they spent six months, and they rode all around and wasted hours. In it. But, again, they had to get to where they understood, and they were educated about yeah. the market to where yeah. they came back to say, okay, this is a solution yeah. now. Have you helped people develop any of these little pockets around Greenville that are like, uh, like the place on the river that Parker did, Drew Parker did, mm-hmm. uh, and there's Hampton Station, mm-hmm. and have you helped with those? So we've done a lot of, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, Earl, uh, those people, there'll be a lot of people that see this that know Earl, there'll be a lot of them that don't. Uh-huh. Those that know him know that he's probably the most humble person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And his four kids, he never talked about what he did. He never talked about the deals he did. <laughs> uh, and, and we were all together uh, one night several years ago, and we were talking about something new that was yeah. happening near Earl's house. Uh, and I just started talking about that deal and other deals. Uh, 
and they were just kind of blown away about the the fingerprints that their father had mm-hmm. uh, on the community uh, in transactions. So, so yeah, we've done lots of the deals. Uh, um, we represented the city and probably eighty percent of the acquisitions for Unity Park. Okay. Uh, you know, over the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out great, by the way. Yeah, wow. I mean, I was at the Commons today. I mean, yeah. it's phenomenal, yeah. you know, to go somewhere on a Monday yeah. that you can barely get a parking space, yeah. you know, at lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, you just would never thought uh, that Greenville uh, could could have this many people here enjoying, yeah. uh, you know, what the community has put together for them. So, so we worked on the Commons, you know, Earl, representing the city right now to, to sell City Hall to be redeveloped mm. into a much better use of space mm-hmm. and then uh, move the city a block over uh, into a new facility that works better for them. Now, that's the one I read about, of course, you know better than I do, but it's the one right next to the Bohemian, right? Yes, yeah, so, so the city's under contract uh, to, to buy half of that building and okay. move City Hall into that building. I think, because I live down there, and I, I just think that would be remarkably good. Right. Because that's going to be so pretty. They'll fix it up so nice right there. It's going to be well, beautiful. They'll actually preserve the land in between the building and the river. So there's yeah. actually another building pad huh. uh, out there. <laughs> and so it'll all stay green grass okay. if the city can finalize their deal, which, okay. is, which is also uh, one of uh, city council's main goals Good. of having Greenville look beautiful uh, yeah. as well as be functional. So. Yeah. And then we've had tremendous influence. We have a lot of industrial brokers, so we have tremendous influence over the new businesses that mm-hmm. have come to town. Okay. Uh, you know, every now and then the Citadel generates a nice graduate. <laughs> uh, you know, we got a couple of those. Okay. You know, it's rare. Yeah. We have uh, a city manager's a Citadel graduate. I understand. Yeah. It's rare. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, but we've been involved in a lot of the industrial parks and a lot of the industrial development that's bringing jobs and new people into the community. Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, Augusta Grove on 25, uh, you know, we've got another group looking to move into that into a building that, yeah. that uh, one of our investment groups just completed. Right. That'll be another round of new jobs. Uh, we've worked on, you know, pieces of those deals. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to... You know, that was brand new when I started 20-plus years ago. Yeah. You know, it was just the woods, and we were riding around with Vardry, uh Ramsour, yeah. was running Donaldson Center. Yeah. You know, this was Donaldson Center's expansion yeah. uh, to continue recruiting companies there. Uh, and again, you got to be a real old person to remember Vardry. I remember. Uh, and, the, uh, you know, all, all that the business community has brought, uh, yeah. you know, which has led to the ability for the community to afford to do what it's done downtown and yeah. be the place that has attracted everybody yeah. here. So <clears throat> I'm, I only live down there. I don't do business like you do with the city. But I'll give you my opinion on why it's so darn good. I, and again, I get to travel to other cities around the southeast, you know, Charleston, Louisville, Columbia, you know, wherever. I'm not even going to count Atlanta in the southeast anymore. And... The big difference is our place is very clean and safe, mm-hmm. and the other places aren't. Right. Charleston is dirty and not safe. Right. So who would, I mean, I'm not that scared being a big guy. I'm not really that nervous about walking down King Street, but if I was not, if I was a woman walking down Main Street, I mean, there's there's thugs down there. Yeah. They let them do it. Right. Yeah, and I think it's... Uh, it's interesting uh, to see you know, the comparison to the big city, and I think it has so much to do with the 
the vast majority of people move into the southeast and move into South Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I tell people, again, I grew up here, uh, and I tell people all the time, from kindergarten to 12th grade, I went back and I could name five friends that moved here uh -huh. that weren't originally from here. Uh -huh. And I can ask any one of my three kids, and they can name five kids that moved here this month. Mm -hmm. New people, uh, yeah. Of new people coming here, and it's this, uh, it's this, you know, ignoring the safety of cities mm -hmm. and and things in other markets that I think is, has been a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because there's still plenty of great big cities that that are fantastic. I was in Boston a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It's still fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're pieces of Philly. They're still fantastic, mm -hmm. but but Washington D.C. has been ruined in the last five years. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as just it's dirty and you don't feel safe and mm -hmm. you don't want to be you know you wouldn't want to, your your wife and your kids to walk around at night. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's it's really a, a shame uh, that it has happened. Yeah. And that people ignore it as a cause for why yeah. you know I mean San Francisco. Yeah. You know was a phenomenal place to go. It was the best. Uh, yeah. you know, 15 years ago, yeah. even 10 years ago, yeah. uh, we had some of our most favorite uh, vacations, my wife and I did, mm -hmm. uh, and we never took our kids there. Mm -hmm. You know, They were still too little to enjoy it then yeah. when we yeah. used to go. And now they'd be like, why did you bring us here? <laughs> it's <laughs> right. terrible. Right. Uh, so. Well, <clears throat> I agree. So my top two things for, for Greenville are the safety and the cleanliness. And then, you know, people point to the main street and the waterfall. I'm like, that's, I love all that, but there's plenty of other places that have a great main street in a, in, a, in, a, in a feature. Right. You know, but you have to have the other two to have people flocking here. Right. It's unreal. Um, can you describe, for the sake of the salespeople who want to do big deals, can you describe like one of your biggest deals ever? How, how you did it? Uh, again, the, the biggest deals generally end up being, uh, they take a real long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had a big deal last year in Columbia uh, that Tom and uh, Tom Bo Milliken, Tom, Tom's been in the business maybe 55 years. Wow. Uh, and it was a large land deal for the county to, to bring in uh, economic development opportunities. Uh, and that deal, Tom started on 20 years before. Wow. Uh, and, you know, so it just it takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, I sold the land for Fleur, uh, you know, a long time ago uh, that, you know, again, I, everybody there got mad at me, which sometimes happens, but, you know, Fleur was was tired of owning the walking trail. So uh -huh. they had 26 acres next to the campus that had a walking trail on it. Uh -huh. uh, that's now an apartment complex. Okay. That took five years to do that for wow. Fleur. Wow. Uh, just zoning and all the other kinds of things. And who would be mad at you about that? The employees at Fleur, they lost their walking oh, trail. Well, they should talk to the CEO of Fleur. <laughs> right. Not you. Right. So ah. <laughs> uh, they lost their, their uh, track. Uh, so. um, but a lot of, again, a lot of our transactions, you know, we were involved in putting together the, the site where Project One is that Bob Hughes ended up finishing, which he did a fantastic job yes, on that. Yes, beautiful. You know, but if you remember, I mean, that block, you know, was the former Woolworth and a couple other, you know, 
really underutilized uh, vacant buildings yeah. and, and one or two open. And you remember the bridge. There used to be a building over the square yes, yes. Uh, that was empty yeah. uh, that wasn't hooked to anything. We're like, who owns this thing? Well, I never I never uh, knew what that thing was for. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was title questions literally to who actually owned it because uh, <laughs> it was in an air right space so, yeah. uh, over the city's property. But uh, so... We started uh, assembling that in '02 or '03, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't finish until through the '89 downturn. Yeah, uh, you know, which again led to, to Bob coming in, and, and we were uh, we put together the first couple tenants in Tower One, yeah. uh, along with Bob, who brought Clemson as the anchor. Uh, so, uh, so that was a fun deal. Uh, we opened the. We had a client that we represented that opened the first business on Pendleton Street, mm-hmm. which is now Main Street. They mm-hmm. changed the name. Okay. It used to be Pendleton Street at the <clears throat> Army-Navy store, mm-hmm. which is now gone. Yeah. And they changed that to Main Street and carried that all the way up to uh, uh, the current Pendleton Street. Okay. Uh, that was in probably 2000, 2001. But when we opened the spot, the West End, mm-hmm. uh, she was the first new business to open on that stretch okay. on Main Street in... 30 years. Yeah. When Knox was there for the ribbon cutting, uh-huh. uh, next door to that, there were two liquor stores, two doors apart on Pendleton Street. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea. And again, yeah. the baseball stadium wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, so the, the changes that we have been able to be a part of yeah. and get on the, the leading edge of those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, really been fun to watch, you know, the connection <clears throat> of a of Main Street to Augusta Road. Mm-hmm. I mean, Augusta Road always went there, yeah. but there was this zone of no development. Yeah. Uh, it's getting closer. You know, this, you know, picked in piece by piece by yeah. piece as that yeah. connected through. Yeah. Uh, it's really been exciting. Huh. Uh, the exciting things that, you know, I was on the, the Housing Authority Board uh, that I, Nancy Whitworth asked me to be on. And so, obviously, I credit Nancy with as much as anything for... Yeah. for the city, so I was happy to do it, and, and that was near and dear to my heart, but 10 years is a long time to be involved, but we rebuilt the entire housing stock of the housing authority during that 10-year period hmm. and expanded the units yeah. along with the new units where Scott Towers used to be. Right. And, um, well, it's interesting, you know, for the sake of the, the listeners, you know, I, I, all the big deals take a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, do anything significant takes a while. And if it looks like it's going to be a really fast big deal, there's probably something wrong with it. But, you know, I read the book, on the Tommy White's book, which I'm sure you read. Oh, yeah. And all of his projects had 20- and 30-year time horizons on them. Right. And they seemed to all hit, like, right toward the end of his life. Right. It was just like one thing after another was hitting. And they were like, wow. And he's like... I've been working on this for 30 years, you know. <laughs> Overnight success. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story. Um, do you remember when when the river um, when the river area got developed, like mm-hmm. when the River Place building went up? Mm-hmm. What year was that, roughly? Probably uh, five, six. Oh, five. Oh, five, oh, six. So, talking about a big deal. My dad, when he moved to Greenville in 1972, mm-hmm. went to work for Tommy White and Buck Mickle. And his first job as a young MBA was to figure out who owned all that land on the other side of the river, where oh, yeah. River Place is. 
and there was nobody knew anything. Mm-hmm. And he had to go just piece by piece, and there was a big board in, in Tommy's office where they were putting it together, who owned what, and eventually it took like, I think, 10 years yep. just to figure out who to talk to. Oh, yeah. And then it took another while before they got them to sell. Yeah, it's it's. I was, you know, so our Greensboro and uh, Burlington, North Carolina offices, you know, when you go to these other markets, you know, Greenville is held up as a shining example right, of right. success so right. many places in the southeast. And it's it's fun to find those people and talk to them about, you know, they ask, well, what'd you do? What'd mm-hmm. you do? Like, like I did it all like, myself, well, you, you know. We just made a decision. Uh, and there, o- yeah. Overnight success. Yeah. And I have to remind them, especially in Greensboro, uh, about, you know, the bridge, you mm-hmm. know, so the Liberty Bridge that <laughs> nobody talks about yeah. uh, is, you know, there was this massive petition <laughs> to stop it. Yeah. You know, all the business owners on that end of Main Street yeah. signed a petition, said we don't want this to happen yeah. because we were going to have to drive an extra block around mm-hmm. when they tore out the Camperdown Bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was like 2,500 signatures. Yeah. And the city council at the time and the city manager at the time had the courage to do it. Mm. And they weren't worried about getting reelected. They were worried about a 25-year plan mm-hmm. rather than a two- to three-year plan. Right. Uh, right. I mean, and the, the articles in the paper, I mean, you can go back and pull up the articles and the op-eds and editorials about we're going to spend millions of dollars on a park. Yeah. Uh, you know, how crazy would yeah. that be rather than all these other problems with right. roads that we have? We're going to tear down a bridge when we need new bridges. <laughs> and it was it was really interesting. And I think it's the answer to uh, it's if you can have a 25-year view yeah. versus a three-year view, yeah. you can really do special things. But you still have to be able to make a tough decision yeah. uh, when other people are afraid to make tough decisions. Right. And wouldn't you say that's one of Knox White's uh, real attributes is the longer-term view on things? Knox, Knox wants to do something, and he, and he says, this is going to be my legacy. And as soon as he does it, he finds another one. Right. And he's like, this is going to be my legacy. Yeah. And he finds another one, right. uh, which is amazing because he's left multiple legacies yeah. uh, already. It's been amazing. Uh, because, you know, he pours the passion into each one that's, yeah. that's difficult. Yeah. I mean, Unity Park, you know, seventy percent council didn't want to have anything to do with it, huh. uh, and they were still buying stuff over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, he's been he's been a big part of it, man. It's been yeah. awesome. Um, do you have any uh, any other lessons learned or advice for for young young sales reps? So I think uh, advice is. Uh, Certainly understanding, and it's advice in life, you know, the tough decision, the easy decision's always the short-term decision. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm going to get skinny, you know, I immediately know that I can't eat something I want. Mm-hmm. You know, i got to make the tough decision. Right. If I want to be successful, I may have to give something up and work a little harder. Yeah. Uh, so I think the tough decision is generally the right decision right. Uh, in this world, and, and we like to make take it easy. Yeah. Uh, so. That's a good one. And then uh, in terms of uh, favorites, give us your favorite book. Um, I got a bunch of, uh, so 
my parents both started out as teachers, and so right. my the the deal in our house was you could stay up as late as you wanted, so long as you're reading oh, I like in your it. room. So yeah. I've got a lot of uh, favorites. Um, uh, I love uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm. Uh, it's a great book. Um, uh, there's a Schwartzman book, Stephen Schwartzman's book. It's not the one he wrote. What it takes. It's a it's a uh, biography on him, not an autobiography. Uh, that uh, I'll tell you because. Uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but uh, King of Capital, okay. uh, um, great book uh, that talks about how he kind of built what he was, uh, what he's turned into Blackstone. So, and how about your favorite word? Perseverance. Perseverance. That's a good one. <laughs> That's easy for That's sales. A good one. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I would also say, you know, you you you've got perseverance, but it's all in the same area because some people will try this perseverance and then that perseverance and that doesn't do it 20 20 years plus of perseverance and you're going to be successful right um one more story about my daddy when i was in my early 20s i i was living in california and i said hey dad give me some advice i want to be successful you know what should i do and he sends me a letter and he, he listed out all the guys he knew in, in Greenville that had become, you know, successful, built businesses and stuff. And the odd thing, he put the dates of how long they worked at it. And they were all about 20 years. Mm-hmm. He said, at 20 years, you know, you know what you're doing. You built your network. You know, you've compounded your business. And you can keep going after that. But all of them, about 20, they are pretty good at what they did. Yeah. So it's good to per- persevere, but... Know what you want to be in. That's a good one. And then in terms of promotion, is there anything you want to promote today to the millions and millions of Internet viewers? That's easy. Tell me. Oh, it's the Southeast. The Southeast. Yeah. I mean, there was an article this morning that California is going to do away with diesel trucks. Huh. Uh, you know, right now the majority of the products that come into this country from overseas come into California uh, and it's really what the Southeast has really been doing since 2018 and we forgot about it but in 2018 they expanded the Panama Canal Uh so it can handle a super tanker uh, and that product has been moving to the Southeast okay Uh, so it's gonna continue to improve Southeast is going to continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, successful businesses are going to come here for workforce. Workforce is the number one thing people have been looking for pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's going to continue. It's harder and harder and harder to find people that are interested in working yeah. and interested in working hard and want to be creative. Uh, and so we think the Southeast is poised to win. Uh, so we're promoting the Southeast. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Well, thank you for taking time out to come see us today. We really appreciate it, and and, uh, all the noobs appreciate that uh, you would share some of what you've learned. Excellent. So so thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you, John. Thank you. All right. (laughs) 